the clothes are put away, dishes are done, food is cooked, all that good stuff after work is over. It is time to do some podcasting. I'm your host, Brandon Lachance. This is Edge of Your Seat Podcast, episode 55. Welcome. Hopefully you enjoy this episode and every other episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We love to have you, and thank you for listening to us. That seems like a great segue to just do our plugs real quick before we get into an awesome show on social media, Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, Twitter, Edge of Your CP. Please leave some comments, share us, like us, all that other cool stuff. Really appreciate it. Then, of course, don't know how you listen to this episode, but word of mouth networking is always the best. So tell your friends, your family, anybody that you know that likes podcasts to check us out on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and Google Music. And that is all Edge of Your Seat Podcast. That's the show. That's the name. We love it. In the intro, outro beat, that's my buddy, longtime friend, Brian Cavelli. Thanks again, man. Always appreciate it. And of course, if you have any suggestions, any comments, anything else that you don't want to put on social media, or if you don't see me in person, want to say, ask, suggest, you can, of course, email edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Those are all the plugs. Keep listening. We appreciate it. If you haven't listened to some of the other shows, I recommend it. Some good listening. A lot of great stories told by people from all different walks of life, and it's amazing. I love doing this. Like I said, got home. I was like, ah, oh, maybe I should clean up the house real quick before I start potting. So, picked up some clothes, made some food, made some chicken, sauteed some onions. It was pretty awesome. Threw on some mozzarella cheese on top. Trying to eat sort of healthy. Uh, we got a little weight loss competition at work. In the last three weeks, I have lost nine and a half pounds. So, just trying to eat healthy and. You know, I walk to work, do all that crazy stuff. It's a lot of fun, and I'm actually not really missing bad food. Not that I eat totally great. I mean, I eat a piece of pizza like three times a week during lunch for work. (laughs) But made my portion smaller, not eating at 9, 10 o'clock, just trying to be a little more healthy. I'm getting older. I've always been kind of bigger. So if I could slim down, you know, make my life just a little bit longer because I decided to take care of myself, why not? It's not going to hurt anything. It's just going to make stuff better. So, but now it is totally time to do this podcast thing. And I love it. First, I want to do shout outs to kids that I have not mentioned while they were doing these awesome accomplishments. Uh, Like I said, I had an inflamed organ. I was kind of out for two or three days and then... I was fatigued, I was exhausted, slept pretty much all day Saturday and Sunday before, you know, going to do stuff with friends. But yeah, just been crazy. I don't have no coronavirus, <laughs> but I think I ate something wrong. I got an inflamed organ. My body was not having it. I could not sit in a chair. It was hard for me to walk. I pretty much laid in bed as soon as I got home from work. You know, I had to go to work, pay bills, but all the rest of the stuff, I was in pain. So, I didn't really get the podcast out that I wanted to. I have tons of, tons of, tons of interviews ready to be unleashed and great conversations to be heard. So, I did not get to send a shout out to these people. Amelia Bromenschinkel, junior at Mendota, was named to the Associated Press second team. She was two votes shy 
of making the first team. Insane. She deserved first team. I don't think you can tell me that there's five girls better in Class 2A in the state of Illinois than Amelia Bromanchickle. I don't see it. I mean, she had like three 20 rebound games, 20 rebounds in a game, like Dennis Rodman numbers. She scored 51 points in a game, had three or four that were over 40. Insanely awesome athlete. I want to say I'm not trying to put down anybody else that I've watched over 15 years of doing this as a professional journalist, but I think she is the best girls basketball player that I have ever seen. She can literally do it all. Not saying other people couldn't, not saying other people weren't great, but I think Amelia Bromanchenko is the best girls basketball player I have personally seen. And I didn't see Jackie Bice, I did not see Kaylee Klein, I did not see most of those girls that we talked about for the Mount Rushmore of girls basketball in the Illinois Valley. Didn't really see a lot of them, not the, the greats greats. I did see Sammy Crum, and she was like an honorable mention for the Mount Rushmore. I think Roman Schinkel has already passed her. She passed her on the all-time scoring list, and I, I just think all-around versatile player, Amelia is better, better than anybody that I've seen. And she did make first team Illinois Basketball Coaches Association, their state team, she made first. They got it right. AP, I don't know what you were doing. Paul Hart, sophomore, St. Bede, has been killing it and is already a thousand point scorer. He is going to climb the scoring records at St. Bede. J.A. Happ, who is the all time leading scorer at St. Bede, is probably thinking, I mean, if he's paying attention, like, man, I might get passed up because Paul Hart is the real deal. He can shoot threes. He can take it inside. He loves to drive. He is an attacker, and he's a great ball player. Trezor Barczyk, a junior at Hall, also a 1,000-point scorer. He is phenomenal as well. I have seen him play every year. I did not get to catch a game this year, which was very unfortunate. Great ball handler. He's fast. He's got a good shot. He plays defense, and... He is not scared in clutch moments. He will, he plays, he plays his game. He doesn't fall in, in moments of, oh man, is this gonna happen? Like, he, he just plays the game, and it's a beautiful thing. And then Fieldcrest freshman, Ashley May, qualified for state in the three-point shootout. Congratulations to her. That is an amazing feat for a freshman, shooting against all kinds of kids that are older than you. Some are seniors, some are juniors, some maybe sophomores. And you're a freshman, made it to the state tournament. That has to be a huge, huge, huge boost for her confidence. And I'm sure Coach Mitch Neely is amped up about that. I know I would be, no doubt about it. So congratulations to those four basketball players. You know, making some noise, doing some awesome things. That is fantastic. Good job. It is Monday. It's about 7.35-ish somewhere around there. So basketball games are being played right now. So we will run down those scores tomorrow. But for Saturdays, it's so crazy how quick the season goes by. I know it is a very long season. It's like three or four months. It's the longest of the three sports calendars of the year. You know, fall, winter, spring. It is definitely the longest. But when it gets to the finals and the end of the season you're like man where did time go like why did it go by so fast it's crazy on saturday 
was the girls 1A and 2A state championship games and the third place games in 1A. Eastland is the state champ with a 62-57 win over Lewiston and Shiloh, which is a high school in Hume, Illinois, defeated Aurora Christian 64-59. So a couple close games, pretty competitive. I wish we could still watch them on the Chicago Sports Network. It was awesome when you could watch the state finals and you know the state third place game. I remember watching Byron win a state championship. I remember watching Anawan win a state championship. It was awesome. Now we're not allowed to watch those anymore. It would be really cool if some sports network somewhere picked them up. That's a plug. Somebody pick it up, please, so we can watch. That'd be awesome. In the two-way state championships on Saturday, I was totally wrong in the semifinals. I was hoping it was going to be Riverdale and Carterville in the championship game. They were actually the third place game. Carterville defeated Riverdale 61-38. to So congrats to Carterville. Like I said on the last podcast, the last episode, I went to school at SIU in Carbondale. Carterville's right outside. And my first journalism job in 2005 was actually a paper called the Carterville Courier. So, been to the Carterville High School, covered a lot of their football and basketball games. So, congrats to them finishing third in the state in 2A girls basketball. In the championship game, Pleasant Plains defeated Chicago Marshall 43-37 to win a title. Congrats to them. It's pretty amazing. Any time that you can win a state title, it doesn't happen often. Not often at all. Some teams are, are lucky and you know somehow get factories create factories where they always have top-notch athletes go through their school but it all it doesn't always work like that you have to battle injuries you know we're talking about kids here so there's attitudes so many things that go into team sports and high school sports in general that are all factors so for these teams to pull out a third place win or a state championship that is huge I know nobody wants to finish third but it's better than not being at the state tournament. I would go to the state tournament and lose both games if, if that was an option. Like, okay, you don't go to the state tournament or you lose two games. I would much rather be in that environment and be part of a state tournament than saying that I wasn't. In 3A girls basketball, it's super sectionals. Elite 8, they are playing right now. All these games are going on right now. They pretty much all started at 7 p.m. Monday night. We have Chicago Simeon versus Fenwick, which is in Oak Park. Grays Lake Central versus Montini, which is in Lombard. Providence Catholic, which is in New Lenox against Morton. And then Lanphier in Springfield versus Highland. LP LaSalle Peru lost to Washington in the Washington Regional Semifinal, 54-35. Morton went on to beat Washington, 49-22 for a regional title. Morton is the real deal just because they came out of that regional with LP they were the one seed in that subsectional I'm kind of rooting for Morton going through this tournament you can never go against Chicago Simeon whether it's girls or boys basketball always a powerhouse Providence Catholic always has good teams actually almost every single one of these teams are perennial playoff teams so anybody could take this it's going to be interesting to see what happens in 4A super sectionals it's Main West of Des Plaines versus Friend in Palatine. We have Lake Park, which is in Roselle, 
against Dundee Crown, which is in Carpentersville. Homewood Flawsmore versus Lincoln Way West, and then Bolingbrook against Chicago Whitney Young. Again, pretty much perennial playoff teams all through there. Homewood Flossmore, you see every year. Bolingbrook, Chicago Whitney Young, all these teams, perennial powerhouses. Again, it's going to be a lot of fun to see who wins these games. In boys, 1A, regional finals were on Friday. So now Tuesday, Wednesday are sectional semifinals. Indian Creek from Shabinaw, if you listened to the last episode, you heard Indian Creek coach Joe Picars and senior Cooper Larson talking about their unblemished season and going into the playoffs ready, ready to get to the state tournament and see what they can do. It is fun watching this team. I have not been to a game, but I've seen clips. People have sent me YouTube videos. They are the real deal. They're fast. Their pace of play is really, really interesting and fun to watch. Great team to follow. Indian Creek won the Rockford Christian Life Regional on Friday with a 65-56 victory over the home squad, Rockford Christian Life. So now I see Indian Creek moves on to play Lena Winslow 7 p.m. Wednesday in a River Ridge sectional semi. Lena Winslow defeated Eastland 53-29. And also another regional final I was watching was Newark and Samanac in the Samanac regional final. Newark takes it 57-52. So now Newark moves on to play Chicago Leo at 7 p.m. Wednesday in the Marquette sectional semifinal. Leo got to the sectional by defeating Grant Park 85-25. to Yeeks, that is a crazy score, especially for high school sports, high school basketball. Throughout the postseason, I have been paying special attention to the Class 2A Princeton sectional. All the regional finals were played on Friday, and sectional semifinals are on Tuesday. So the Rock Falls Regional, Newman defeated Rock Falls 54-24 regional championship. El Paso Gridley won the Winnebago Regional by defeating Winnebago 69-60. So in the first two regionals, if you were the home squad, you didn't walk away from the court happy. <laughs> Hopefully you probably took a long walk home. Like, man, what just happened? So this means Newman will lock up with El Paso Gridley at 6 p.m. Tuesday in the Princeton sectional semifinal. And Princeton, which was trying to play one more game, at least one more game, on their home court in the sectional, Fell just a tad short. They upset Kiwani to get into the regional final at the IVC regional, but fell to Fieldcrest 78-65. Fieldcrest had two outstanding performances. Jackson Kusick, McKay, and Corey Lind both scored 24 points apiece. 24 points apiece by two guys. I'm not a math major, but 48 out of 78 between two guys. Man. Great, great showing of those two. And also regional championship action, Rock Ridge defeated Orion 59 to win a regional title. So Fieldcrest will meet Rock Ridge at 7.30 on Tuesday in the other Princeton sectional semifinal. Keeping right along, I guess you can call it division. So the last division of sports for the winter has started their playoffs. 3A, 4A is the last 
winter sport to start, you know, the postseason. So it started today on Monday. Awesome action already. Number seven seeded LaSalle Peru Cavaliers are playing number nine Dunlap right now. The game started at seven o'clock at the LaSalle Peru Regional. It's a quarterfinal. The winner will meet number one Rock Island at a semifinal in the regional at 7 p.m. Tuesday. Also at that regional, number four Ottawa will take on number six Streeter in a semifinal at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. Couple things that have not discussed, been trying to get some interviews together so we can talk about these things. For wrestling, which the state tournament was not this past weekend, but the weekend before that, so about eight days ago, nine days ago, LaSalle Peru senior Peyton Perino finished fourth at 285 pounds, and Ottawa's senior Luke Fleming finished fifth at 132 pounds. So congratulations to both of those athletes going out with the bang for their senior year. Of course, you want to get the highest on the podium that you can, but finishing fourth and fifth in a very, very, very tough state tournament, you can only be happy for yourselves. And then, of course, we have LP Swimming. They competed at the state tournament this past weekend after qualifying at the sectional. We talked to Coach Rob McNally, who is on this podcast to talk about swimming. And we also have LaSalle Peru girls basketball coach Hollis Vickery and LaSalle Peru senior Rhiannon Scoob. That's a three-peat of awesome LaSalle Peru interviews. Crazy cool people to talk to, talking about postseason sports and all kinds of other stuff. It was great to speak with all three of them. So that's the end of the rundowns. Talked about all the things that are going on in IHSA playoff brackets, which is Always fun to follow and fun to pay attention. Trying to get to a couple games, work schedules, everything else going on. It is really tough. And like I said, I wasn't feeling too hot a week ago. So trying to do what I can, and that's all you can do. <laughs> what we can do, man, I'm watching the news earlier at work uh, during lunch break. And the coronavirus has swept the nation. It's been everywhere. All Everybody's talking about it. There's jokes everywhere, there's memes everywhere, there's, you know, it's it's a real deal. Then the stock market's going to crash or expected to because we don't know how to manage our money or something. I don't know what's going on. And I'm talking to a really good friend's parents last night, and they're talking about optimized cars where semis and stuff are driving themselves instead of people driving them. So we're outsourcing our jobs, raising prices, the stock market's crashing. Like, what do you think is happening here? I wish I was smart enough. I am pretty smart, but maybe not on this level to try to figure out what is going on and how do we fix it? If we're such a great country, which I believe we are, and hopefully you do too, there's no reason these things should be happening. Of course, my number one option is, or my number one go-to, like this is what's going on, is crooked politicians. It is awful of what these people are doing and the situations that are putting us in. We should not be in debt. We should not be outsourcing our jobs because everything, everybody wants everything to be cheaper. It's cheaper labor for you to go to China and have those guys do it for $2 and a, you know, a mask over their face. But what about your own countrymen who need jobs too? 
and you want your own country to thrive, but you're not giving the people the opportunity to help make it thrive. Like, that's a very important deal. Instead, taking all the jobs away, we are outsourcing ourselves not only that way, but with technology. Why do we need cars that drive themselves? Are we trying to make everybody fat and lazy and jobless? Because that's what it seems like what we're doing here. Like you go to Walmart, and there's like three lanes open with actual human beings working them. But then if you look at the self-checkout counters, there's 40 customers going through them on a regular basis. So we're cutting out jobs there too. Cutting out jobs everywhere. It's, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know how I got into this spiel, but it kind of felt good to just rant for a little bit. It's just unethical. It makes no sense for Americans to want to do that. Like, have we gotten so lazy and just so dependent on other people or other machines to do things for us that we can't do it ourselves? And then what are we saying? We're like, oh, you know, that's cool. But then you see these people not working, getting laid off. Everybody's complaining about money. Well, there's a reason, there's a good reason why. A perfect example of why that's happening. It's just crazy. I, I wish there was something I could do to change it. And maybe there is. And maybe, you know, you listen to this, somebody's got a good idea for how I can be active and try to help stop this. I, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it at all. But that's enough rambling. Hopefully I made some sense then. Hopefully. Just a little bit. But like I said, we have Hollis Vickery, Rhiannon Scoob, and Rob McNally to talk all kinds of awesomeness with us. I am just going to let all three interviews play. I will start with Rob first because the boys just finished the state tournament over the weekend. Again, congrats to the Cavaliers that made it to the state tournament. And those are, of course, Luke Mertes, Joe Ovanik, Zach Nelson, and Owen Phillips. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. I'm really proud of them. There's no classes in swimming, just like there isn't in bowling. So to make it to the state swimming championships, that is fantastic. And not a lot of people can say they do that. Definitely not. So congrats to them. Well, with that said, I need to get out of here. So here's Rob, then we'll go Hollis, and then we'll go Rhiannon and Scoob. End it like that. Please keep listening, come back, tune in, really appreciate the love and support. Until next time, peace. So in the winter, we kind of get locked into basketball. Well, at least I get locked into basketball. And then you have wrestling and bowling. And I don't know if it's just because there's not a lot of teams in this area or even in the state, but swimming is still going on and very important for the LaSalle Peru Cavaliers as they just finished second at the Rock Island sectional with 210 points behind Moline's 244. And with me to talk about this accomplishment and all the guys that are going to state is LP coach Rob McNally. How's it going, Rob? It's going great, Brandon. It's nice talking to you. As always, we've been doing this for a few years now, huh? Yeah, we sure have. I would have to say you're the first person that got me interested into swimming as a sport. I've been coaching uh, swimmers for a long time. I'm in, I think, my 25th year now. So uh, I do a lot of talking. I do a lot of support of swimming because I really, really think it's a great sport. So, yeah, we've had several opportunities to talk about it, and I always enjoy it. I did not say anything about this before we got recording, but I did want to ask about your career or your experience in swimming. What did you do before you were coaching? 
I swam in high school many, many years ago and swam for a few years in college. Thought it was a good sport. And then when I got married and had kids, I thought that it was a great thing for them to get involved with. It's an activity that once you get your child comfortable with the water, you can get them started as early as age five or six. And I got my kids started in the program because I thought it was great. And as they progressed through the years, I became more and more involved and eventually took over the program coaching for 20 years. And then after I left five years ago and the same time, LaSalle Peru, Ottawa Streeter formed a co-op, a swimming co-op. Ottawa had a swim team for many years and lost their pool. LP had a pool for many years and hadn't had a swim team since 1975. They asked me to coach the team and I accepted and turned out to be a great decision. They're a great bunch of kids have gone through the program over the years and uh, including this group that's uh, currently swimming for me. Before we start talking about this group, I kind of want to go back on, you know, since 1975, there hadn't been a LaSalle Peru team. I mean, the last few years, swimming is, I mean, not taking over the newspapers or anything like that, but you go around the schools and there's some people that are very, very dedicated into it. So what did that mean to you and the community to have a swimming team? The cool thing about swimming is, like I said, you can get started at a really young age, and there are YMCAs in both Illinois Valley and Peru and in Ottawa that have very, very strong programs. So the nice thing about that is you can get the kids involved, and then by the time they get to the high school level, they're really, really good at it. As long as you can continue to build on that, you'll grow the program. I mean, that's pretty much how you draw kids into, your, into, into the sport and how you keep it relevant. And then, of course, every four years when the Olympics roll in, uh, you get an even bigger uh, input of kids because they see it and they think, hey, I think I want to try that. So at the sectional to help the Cavaliers get their 210 points, you either win your event or you reach a state qualifying time. And it looks like all of your guys advanced by winning their event. They didn't even wait for times. <laughs> well, there's some really, really strong swimming in the, in the state of Illinois. It's a very, very strong state. Uh, and then, of course, there's only one class at the IHSA level. So the times are really, really uh, set strongly because they are looking only for 25, 30 people to qualify in an event at the state meter. It becomes extremely crowded. So, yes, it's great when you win, but Joe Ovanik uh, made the state cut in both his events and uh, is ranked fairly highly. I mean, probably higher than, well, the highest ranking that I've had on any state qualifier so far since I've been coaching the team. We'll get into it a little later, I'm sure, but he's ranked 21st in the 100 Butterfly, and the top 12 go to finals, so it's going to be an interesting situation at State on Friday. Prelims. Definitely, and Joe Vanek is all over the sectional qualifier list from Rock Island. First in the 200-yard medley relay was Luke Murtis, Zach Nelson, Joe Vanek, and Owen Phillips with a time of 138.29. Then in the 200-yard freestyle relay, Murtis, Phillips, Nelson, and Joe Vanek just kind of switched the, the order, it looks like. 200-yard individual medley, Luke Murtis with a 159.99. In the 100 butterfly, which you just mentioned, Joe Vanek with a 51.16 was first. And then Joe Vanek again at the 100-yard backstroke was first the winner with a 52-49. So let's just start with the relay teams. I mean, why move the, the lineup? Did, did that make it better for the two different relays? 
the reason why they were swimming in the orders that they did is the first relay is the medley relay. And the medley relay, you swim, but each person takes a leg of it 50 yards. First one swims backstroke, the second one swims breaststroke, third swims butterfly, and the fourth swims freestyle. Luke Murtis is a really good backstroker, so that's why he was in the backstroke. He finished second to Joe Vanek in the, at the sectional meet. I mean, that's kind of how the whole sectional day started out. He swam a really good split and came in with the lead. It was supposed to be a pretty tightly contested race between us and Moline. He came in with the lead, and they continued to extend the lead, and we ended up fairly dominating the race. We uh, pretty much finished by, we won the race by almost half a pool length, which is kind of unusual at a sectional meet. So anyway, it kind of set the tone for the whole meet. But anyway, to get back to that, back, breast, fly, free. So I've got Zach Nelson swimming breast. Joe Vanek, who won the butterfly swimming fly, and then Owen Phillips swimming freestyle. In the freestyle relay, it's a different order based on what their best 50 free times is. Every coach has a different method as to how it goes, but one of the standards method is you put your second fastest swimmer first, then you put your fastest swimmer last, and then you go two and three. The second, second fastest and third fastest, or third fastest and second fastest, depending on how you feel about it. And that's how I set up the order for that 200 free relay. Again, seated third, I believe, in that relay, and they uh, improved their time significantly in that relay, and they just out-touched Moline, and that's how they won that relay also. So, that too, in a roundabout way to answer your question, that's how I determine the relay entries. Definitely. And it was only those two relays that you guys won, right? They did medal in the 400 free relay. They finished fifth in the 400-yard free relay, but okay. you're limited to, uh, at, at any at any high school swimming meet, you're limited to two individual events and two relays. So those two those boys that won the medley relay and the free relay, they couldn't swim the, the 400 free relay, or they might have won that one too. <laughs> gotcha. I mean, I'm looking at the years for your squad, and I thought this going in because I was kind of, you know, paying attention here and there to see when I'd be able to speak with you. You've been on my radar, Rob. I don't lie. I appreciate that. <laughs> but Luke is a sophomore. Joe is a sophomore. Owen is a freshman. Zach is the only one that is going to state that's a senior. So, I mean, you have a bunch of young swimmers that obviously will be fueled to try to get back to state. Absolutely. And I've also got uh, at the next level. I mean, like I said, those other there are four other individuals uh, that placed uh, fifth in the 400 free relay, and they were pretty fast also. So I've got another group that continues to train hard, and that's kind of how it works in swimming. I mean, you've got some really, really good kids that show talent at a young age, but you've also got some other kids that work really hard, and that's going to make you fast too. If you put in the effort, that's one of the great things about this sport is it is a effort equals rewards is as pretty stark as it is if you work really hard in the pool you're going to be rewarded out at the big meets and that's what happened on saturday this is a co-op with LaSalle, peru ottawa streeter with having that many schools i don't know how many swimmers you get from the other schools or that you have from LaSalle, peru if you could give me those numbers that would be cool but do you think with having you know that many schools that many opportunities and spots on the team does that make competition a little tougher to make them better swimmers and practice and so on oh yeah especially to get competing for spots on the relay team absolutely uh this year on the boys side i mean it varies year to year depending on who you've got uh, we're Ottawa loaded this year, though. We uh, had five swimmers from LP High School and 12 from Ottawa High School. There were no Streeter swimmers this year, and Streeter's also in the girls' co-op, as is Earlville. We had a few more LP girls swimmers than we did Ottawa, Earlville, or Streeter. 
but Ottawa loaded on the boys' side. So I've asked this question to a lot of bowling coaches and bowlers in general about the difference of using that sport as a sport compared to a game. Because like bowling, you can swim anywhere. You can go to a pool, you can take a lap or two or, you know, whatever you want to during the summer. Or if there's an indoor pool, you can go to the YMCA, like you'd mentioned before. Anytime you want to and swim. So what has to click with an athlete or a person that decides like, hey, I would rather view this as a sport, an athletic event, than just a game or something to do during the summer for fun? To be honest with you, I don't think that anybody has to work harder than a swimmer does at what they do, simply because water is so much more resistant than air. The analogy that I always give to people when I try and explain this is that a good 100-meter runner will run in about, what, 9.3, 9.2 seconds, will run 100 meters, and a really, really good 100-meter freestyle swimmer, front crawl swimmer, which is basically the fastest stroke, they have to go about 44, 43 seconds in order to those really good ones. So that means they have to sustain that effort four times as long. And I believe that one of the things that draws kids to this sport is the fact that, first of all, you have to work really, really hard to get good at it. But when you start when you're eight years old and you swim all these other YMCAs, and again, with what social media comes on so prevalent these days, you make friends with these kids. And I think the common thing that draws them all together, the really, really good ones, is they know how hard they've worked to get to where they are. Even though they fight when they're in the water, they fight for the wall and they really, really try and get there first and they're they're working as hard as they can to beat their opponent. When they're done, there's a sense of appreciation as to how hard everybody's worked, and they take that sense of satisfaction from it. So I think that that has a lot to do with why kids, I mean, they get started at a young age, because I think everybody should learn how to swim, first of all. But they get started at a young age, and then as they progress through the ages, and they get older and older and older, and they have more and more friends, and these friends, and I mean... Here we are. We've got two YMCA's here in this area. One's in Ottawa, one's in LaSalle, Peru. Now these kids that have been swimming against each other since they were eight years old are now on a team together. And because of that, they're even stronger. And I think that that's one of the big reasons why kids want to do this sport. The competition within your team has to be crazy. Joe Vanek, for instance, is an amazing athlete. He really is. He's got a lot of natural talent and a lot of natural ability. There's the Blue Curtis is another kid that's got a lot of talent, a lot of natural ability. Owen Phillips, I mean, those Zach Nelson has done this for a long time. A lot of the other kids, they do have a lot of talent. My job as a coach is to try and get them to take that talent and put it to work. Because you can have all the talent in the world, but you've really got to work hard in order because... There's a whole bunch of talent in any sport, any athlete, there's a whole bunch of talent. The ones that are working harder, they're the ones that are achieving more success. And that pretty much goes across the board with sports. Plus, it's a good life lesson that you teach these kids. I mean, they have to understand that if they put effort in life, they're going to be rewarded. It's the, That's one of the biggest things I think that sports teaches. We've got an enormous pool of kids that are playing sports when they're 8 years old and 7 years old and 10 years old and 12 years old. And then we've got a slightly smaller group when they get into high school and an even one smaller one than that when they get to college and an intensely small one when they're professional. So you're preparing the rest of these kids to be good citizens in life. And that's one of the big things I think that all coaches strive to teach their kids that are in sports. That was a pretty good segue. I mean, I was just going to ask you about coaching and what are some things that you do or say, you know, kind of give advice, mentor these kids to, you know, want to dedicate themselves to swimming or to help the team. 
coaches in any sport feel the same way. You're trying to prepare your kids to face life. And if it's as a professional athlete, well, that's great. But if it's as a professional accountant, that's just as good. You just got to make sure that everybody understands what sports are supposed to teach you. I tell my kids a lot that they can tell me what they're doing in the pool. They can tell me how hard they're working, but it doesn't matter. And this is a cliche, and they're probably sick of me saying it because I say it so often. But they need to have that conversation with the person who looks back at him in the mirror. Because that's the one that's going to count in life. And I, I guess maybe when you coach for as long as I have, you get a whole bunch of those kind of things. But they all mean something. I mean, I tell my kids that every year. So I think that anybody that is still coaching at any level is doing it to try and turn out better individuals. And I'm proud of the fraternity that I belong to. I was lucky enough, and because of the performance of my kids, I was lucky enough to be selected sectional coach of the year this year, just at this meet on Saturday. And that was very humbling to know that the peer group that I've been coaching with for the last five years thought enough of my my kids' performance to do that. So that's kind of the main reason why I still continue to do it. I was going to wait to bring that up at the end just to Sorry. give you like a... No, 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 no. This is pretty much the end anyway. I wanted to say congrats to get that honor with, like you said, your peers. Uh, see the kind of work that you've been doing and what you put into the sport. That has to be a special feeling. The medley relay that started that raid, that meet, put the set the tone for my team to have an amazing day. There was not a single kid that did not drop time in any event at that meet. It was unfortunate that we didn't win the meet. I really, really wish that we could have. That was one of the goals that I had this year because I knew I had a strong team. But the kids all dropped time and we finished higher than projected. I think we were projected to finish fourth. So we finished much higher than projected. I couldn't be prouder of that. Glad that my the rest of my coaching fraternity uh, felt that I deserved that award because it was very appreciated. How did you celebrate the honor, Coach? A group of us from the swim team went out to dinner. We had dinner in uh, East Moline. And I came home and I sent the results out to all the press and I went to bed. It was late. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fitting, though. That sounds like a good way to celebrate. Yeah. I had, you know what, it's worse. I still think that there's still these kids gonna have a little more. These kids that are going to state, I believe I can get a little faster times out of them. So I spent Sunday trying to figure out how I was going to plan this week of practice to do it. What kind of things have you had them working on or what kind of things have you been telling them to get them prepared for state? And again, I just can only speak to what swimmers and what swim teams do to prepare. I mean, you've got one big culminating meet at the end of the season. So what you usually do, it's a 15-week season, so you got to get a lot of stuff done quickly. You've really got to work them hard. The theory of progressive overload is you overload the body, the body adapts to that load. And you continue to do that throughout the season well, you're tearing down muscle. That's what overload is. You're just, you're breaking down muscle tissue in order to build more. You get to the end of the season, and what you there's something in swimming we do called taper, where you've worked them hard all year long, and then at the end of that time, you back off for the, the last week or so before your big culminating meet. You back off on them and let that muscle replacement continue on while you're not breaking it down as much, and then you hope for faster times. And that's what happened at this meet on Saturday. To prepare them for the state meet, I worked their tails off for 14 weeks, and I backed off on them progressively the last, that, that 14th week, or, and then the 15th week I backed off and usually do a carb load the night before, which was kind of like a team dinner to give them some energy for the next day. 
and get up and go to the meet and hope for the best. And it turned out great this year. Prepare them for state. That's what I did. Well, congrats, Coach, for having a very, very strong season and having as many state representatives as you do. Second place finish at sectional is also amazing. Thank you for coming on to the podcast, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and talking some swimming with me. I appreciate that, Brandon. I appreciate it. Anytime. So Class 3A, 4A girls basketball playoffs started. LaSalle, Peru had a regional semifinal. They were in the Class 3A Washington regional and ran across the number three Washington team as LaSalle, Peru was number five. And just couldn't keep up with Washington, who's been a pretty good program year in and year out. And Hollis Vickery knows all about LaSalle Peru's struggles in regional and getting seated against some really, really tough squads every year. And I am, of course, with Coach Hollis Vickery. How are you doing tonight, Hollis? I'm doing fine. I'm doing very good. I'm down in Macon, Illinois, watching uh, some grade school state championship basketball. There you go. That's always a lot of fun. Yep. Are you recruiting? Uh, no, it's uh, <laughs> the Holy Family, uh, John Seneca's uh, team. John was a uh, assistant with me for four or five years. He's coaching the eighth grade team down here from Holy Family, and they're in the state championship game. So came down, did a little more basketball. Didn't they have a game-winning shot, which was a pretty they, pretty awesome? Right, they had a game-winning shot with seven tenths of a second, and plus they won on a missed layup in the second game. So you know they've been living on the, the edge for sure. That had to be an awesome feeling for them to get to that level. Yep, it sure had to be. <laughs> In the intro, I mentioned that you guys always have a tough regional bracket, and of course I'm talking about the Lady Cavs, and it was no different this year. It seems like you guys are getting put in some really, really difficult regionals year in and year out. Well, I don't understand algebra very well, and this seems to be something like algebra, because last year Mendota and Ottawa were both in had their own regionals, and we went uh, all the way to Morton to play in the regionals, so I'm not sure why we end up there, but, you know, even so, this year when we played Washington, I thought we had a chance. We shot very poorly the first half. We came back in the second half, had a good third quarter, and just for a few brief mistakes in the fourth quarter, we were right there. We, we could have cut it to nine. We have a lot to complain about, but I'm sure Washington and Geneseo and a few of the other teams that have 24, 25 wins are complaining too because looking ahead of them is Morgan, Peoria, Richwoods, and Peoria. So it's a very tough, tough regional. State champions have been out of there five out of the last five years. And that's a pretty crazy stat. Yeah. So, you know... Geneseo is ranked seventh in the state, I believe, in 3A, and they're in third seed, and they're part of the subsectional. So, you know, I, I complain every year, but a lot of other people complain too. Yeah, you're definitely so. not the only one I've complained or, you know, said words about it, and so have many, many other journalists. So, you're right. There's a lot of people that have your back on this, Hollis. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's going to change anything, but <laughs> at least, it's good to have friends. Yeah, at least you have friends. You have a gang of people behind you, so that's always a plus. Right, right. So let's talk about the Lady Cavs season. I mean, you guys went on a pretty strong run during the regular season. Yeah, we went on a six-game winning streak, and as long as I've been here, I think that's the longest streak that we've had, winning streak. I think we fell short of a few of our goals. We had a good season overall. We had a lot of games that went right down to the wire that we could have won. 
but there was a few that we could have lost too. So I felt like, you know, all year long, I told a few people that we're the type of team that could beat anybody. And at the same time, anybody could beat us. We were that type of team. And I'm not sure what makes that type of team, but that's just the way I felt. So, you know, at times we looked really good. Putting four quarters together was a problem at times, but Overall, I mean, it was a great group of kids. I had great leadership at the senior level and at the junior level. And for the most part, you know, it was a good family atmosphere and everybody had everybody's back for most of the year. So, you know, that's all you can expect or hope for as a coach. So hopefully next year we'll carry on. Definitely. Who are some of those seniors that you relied on to lead your team? Well, our three seniors were Paige Champlin, Rhiannon Skoog, and Emma Happ. And they started every game. They were my captains. Paige was a good spot-up three-point shooter. She led the team in three-point average. She always guarded our toughest assignment on defense. Emma Happ was just a phenomenal rebounder and leader on the team. She did all the things that nobody saw except me and a few other people. She did the dirty work. She played hard on defense. She was a great rebounder. And Rhiannon Skoog was our leading scorer, a leading rebounder. And, you know, all three of them, I think, combined for like 16 to 20 rebounds a game. That's going to be hard to replace. So it doesn't seem like a lot of rebounds until you have less than that, you know. So hopefully we can replace that. Definitely. And I did not see a LP game this year, unfortunately. I mean, I always love watching the Lady Cavs. But last year watching, Skoog was, you know, pretty predominantly a low-post player. She might hit a couple mid-range buckets. Did she you know, evolve her game? Uh, you know, Rhiannon really is a four. She played the five position out of necessity this year. And sometimes I felt bad that I didn't put her at the four because... She does have some good outside shooting. She uh, does move well out in the floor, and she got guarded pretty heavy in the low post area. And again, she did. She played in a position that maybe not her strongest suit. Moving on, she's definitely a good shooter from the outside. But when you're playing the post, you just don't get that many opportunities. So, but you know, she had a good year. I think she averaged about 15 points a game, about six, seven rebounds a game. And, she was learning how to pass the ball out of the post second half of the season fairly well. So she had a good year. So she kind of adapted her game to what the team needed her to do. She was definitely adapted to the need of the team. If we went 5-3, 5-4, 5-4, 5-7, for the most part, plus Marie, who was 6-1, 6-2, we're a very small team, comparatively speaking. And we needed her to fill that void. We thought about going five out a couple times, but, you know, it's always nice to have a presence underneath the basket for second-chance points and stuff like that. But And we did a lot, a lot of in and out. She learned how to pass the ball fairly well out of the post. So, you know, she did a lot of good for the team. Who were your other two starters behind those three seniors? Uh, Lauren Klein, Brooklyn Fisek. Brooklyn is a freshman, Lauren is a junior, and our sixth man predominantly was uh, Lauren Phillips. She accepted that role at the start of the year before we even started. We had to talk about, you know, the importance of having a sixth man and being supportive, you know, and she's a team player. She never questioned whether she should start or not, even when sometimes she had a better practice than somebody else. Lauren Klein, third leading scorer on the team, 
Brooklyn was second leading scorer on the team, and they're both back next year. So those three will be back next year, and it makes a good nucleus. Hopefully they'll grow a few inches too. <laughs> Definitely. I, yeah. think, I think I saw something on Twitter. Did you guys win the most games for the program this year? Uh, we were tied. We had a chance. We had we were at 16 with four to go in the regular season. We just couldn't do it. We uh, lost by one to Lexington. Lost by two to Mendota. Got blown out by Kalen, which was kind of a, you know, I think it was the third game of the week and 7.30 on a Saturday night was never good for good traveling, you know. And then uh, Sycamore, who was undefeated in the conference, beat us by about 15. But we had our opportunities, you know. We did get to 17. We beat Rochelle for the last game of the year. And again, we were one of those teams that any day we could beat anybody and any day anybody could beat us. So I think we got a lot of mileage out of what we had this year. Could have done better and could have done worse. So overall, it was a pretty successful season. And as we've been talking here, you know, you mentioned a couple players, Lauren, Kellen, a few others that are coming back. So going into next season, your cupboard's not bare and you'll have, you know, another set of senior leadership. So just kind of speak on going into next season or getting prepared for what's ahead of you. Well, the next season, I mean, for some of the kids, I told them the gym is always open. Whether it's an open gym or you want to come in and shoot at night, you know, let somebody know. I mean, it's there for you. It's A lot of it's up to them. Participating in the summer is huge. Last summer, we didn't get a biggest chance to play as much as I wanted to because we were still in school until about, I think, the 19th of June last year or 21st, whatever it was. So this year, we'll step it up a little more. We'll have our camp again and everything else. So maybe have a trip somewhere for team bonding and we'll see how it goes. Like I said, we have three people coming back next year who saw a lot of playing time. We need to find a few people who can step up and rebound, get those 16 to 20 rebounds a game that we're going to miss next year out of Paige, uh, Emma, and Rhiannon. That's going to be big next year. I mean, we great ball handlers coming back, good guards, good solid guards, but you got to rebound too. So that's what we're going to be looking for during the summer. Yes, very important part of the game there. Huge. <laughs> Huge. Against Washington, there were several times when we gave up three, four shots at the basket. And that was one of the keys that we mentioned before the game. We had to keep them off the boards. And we didn't do as well a job as I hoped. But, you know, next year, like I said, that's going to be key for us next year. Because our guard play should be super. But you still have to be able to rebound. Because that's a huge part of the game. How many seasons is this for you with uh, LaSalle, Peru, Lady Cavs? You know what? <laughs> I think it's the 11th or 12th. I really don't know. I think I started around 2007 or 8. I'm not great at keeping personal records. I know it's been a lot of fun. It's been up and down. The program has been not one of the best for years, and it seems like it's getting better and better. I mean, we've reached a 17th win mark three times now. We just can't break that barrier. We have kids that are participating that are good basketball players. We're good athletes. So, you know, there's a lot of things to look forward to in the program. And hopefully we're building a little culture for whenever I leave that we can hand it over and somebody else can take over and be successful. So that's what I'm aiming for anyway. Well, I think you're doing a fine job, Coach. In the seven, eight, well, man, it's probably about nine years I've been around. I, I yeah. do, <laughs> I've been around for a while, too. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, 
It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. I tell the girl, like, a lot of girls come in and say, man, it's a long season. I said, no, it's a long winter. Try doing something during the winter and see how long winter is, you know. So keeping the kids involved and keeping them busy during the summer. And next fall, if we have some good participation, that's all going to be key for next year. So Definitely. Well, I do agree with you that the Lady Cavs continue to approve season after season, so I don't see any reason it's going to stop soon. Well, I, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I'm looking forward to next year already. And we've just been finished for a couple of days, so. That's what you do, though, when you're head coach. I mean, we've been talking about it since Tuesday night. What, what do we have next year? So, get them ready. That's all you can do, coach. That's all you can do. I want to thank you for joining us at Edge of URC Podcast for talking with us about the Lady Cavs. Pretty, pretty good season. I appreciate it, coach. All right. Thanks, Brandon. I appreciate it, too. We talked to LaSalle Peru coach Hollis Vickery and got his perspective of the season, his players, how everything went. We couldn't just leave it there. We had to get a Lady Cav. I have with me senior Rhiannon Skoog. Rhiannon, how's it going? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing well. I was kind of disappointed throughout the year. I did not get to see a LP game, but I did follow you guys. I looked at every score, seen how you guys are doing, and you guys had a pretty solid year this year. What, what do you think? This year compared to last year was way better because last year we were like seven or something. This year we bumped the score up by 10, the record up by 10, and we ended up at 17. So I think we're doing pretty good. What do you think happened that made you guys go up by 10 wins? Was it offense, defense? Just what kind of made that happen? Our offense, our scoring ability went up. went up a lot because me and Lauren were already starters, and so was Paige. But we added Brooklyn Fisek, which helped with the point guard spot. Emma Happ got a lot more playing time, and she was like, me and her got a whole bunch of rebounds. I mean, offense rebounds, defense rebounds. Brooklyn pushed the floor. I mean, we just worked really well together. So it was kind of just a better mix? Yeah, it was a better mix than the year before. And not saying that the year before had worse or better players. It just No, it was just don't... like we worked better together. Yeah, definitely. Or like something like that. Yeah, for sure. It happens all the time. No doubt. I played on a team with a bunch of pretty solid players in Mendota, but we could never win a regional because everybody wanted to be like Allen Iverson. <laughs> so it happens. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> Let's continue to talk about the regular season, then we'll hop in the postseason. You guys went on a six-game winning streak, which Hollis Vickery said was the longest since he's been there. And tough conference games that you might have lost in the past, you were able to win even if they were close. Just talk about that. The six-game winning streak, we knew about it. We knew about the games coming ahead, and Coach was like, he was ramping up practice because we knew we had to get those games in. I mean, we played Sandwich. Sandwich was new in conference, but we beat them before, and that one was a close game. And then I think we played Ottawa. Now, Ottawa beat us at our home court, so that one was a big one. We wanted to beat them in uh, their stadium. Then I think we played Rochelle. Rochelle was a tough game. It was like a Saturday morning game. And I think, yeah, it was Saturday morning game, really early in the morning. And we came out, like, good. And then, like, we let them catch up in that one. We had a tough out and fight that for that one, too. Just talk about this team being able to, you know, pull out those tough wins. Maybe a couple years ago, it seemed like it was a tough game. The Lady Cavs would kind of, you know, fall apart at the end. This year, it didn't seem like that happened as often. No, we, um, just in practice, we, like, never give up team. Like, we always played 100%. And I think just being down by, like, whatever it was, 
we just always wanted to fight and win and show what we can do this year. Just never give up. Perfect. And then you guys go into regionals. LaSalle Peru girls basketball team is always in a very, very tough regional. This year was no different. Yeah, I mean, we played Washington. I think I think they're ranked. I know they're not top 10, but like the top 20 for sure. So, I mean, it was going to be tough when we knew that. And maybe we got that in our heads a little bit when we first came out. Because the first half was not our basketball at all. But then the second half, I mean, we still lost. But, like, we stepped it up. And I'm pretty sure we outscored them that second half. So we weren't just going to let them, like, just cream us and end it. We were going to fight back. As a senior, how did it feel being able to, you know, have one last run with LaSalle Peru and, you know, throughout the season, knowing this is your last year, how did that change your mentality going into each game? It changed my mentality a lot because I knew this could be the last time I was playing with my teammates. And, I mean, we've always had the goal, me and Paige and Emma, to do our best and try to get more wins than we did the year before. So going into that, you know, regional semifinal against Washington, they're the three seed, you're the five seed. Knowing that they're a pretty good team, was it just kind of like, hey, let's go out and just ball as hard as we can? Yeah, pretty much. From last year to this year, what was some, you know, improvements or some things that you did better on the basketball court? I think I rebounded a lot better. I think I went and got after boards more than I did last year. I got better at kicking the ball out and looking for my teammates. Got better at that. My footwork, I worked on my footwork over the summer, and it's improved a lot. Awesome. So you were making some uh, Shaq-like post moves? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so, Anthony Davis? Um, um, maybe. <laughs> I hear the buzzer in the background. Are you at a game? Yeah, I'm at Washington High School. My teammates, Brooklyn Fisak, Lauren Phillips, Lauren Klein, and uh, Justice Greening are at the three-point shootout right now. Nice. Are they shooting? Not their turn yet. I had one more question for you, then I'll go let you go watch your teammates shoot some threes. So the season's over. What are your plans moving forward since you are a senior? My plans moving uh, forward is to play uh, at Parkland College to play basketball. In uh, Champaign, Illinois. Awesome. What are you going to go to school for at Parkland? I'm not too sure yet. What did you like about the program that made you decide to commit there? It was very opening. They have a good coach. She went to JUCO and like moved up from there. And then her father used to run the program for a long time. Then she took it over. So it's like very family oriented. So kind of like a small town feel in a big town. Um. Yeah. Do you have any lasting thoughts on your, uh, you know, your LaSalle Peru career? It was fun. We made a lot of memories and we improved a lot. I was on the varsity team since I was a sophomore. And the sophomore record was plagued with a lot of injuries, so our record wasn't too good. In junior year, we had it built up, and then just the way senior year ended was good. Well, Rhiannon, I thank you for stepping away from the basketball court for just a few minutes to speak with me. I really appreciate it, you joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. No problem.